Perhaps our misunderstanding of the role of safety is based on assumption that we think we know what safety means. This assumption needs to be challenged because there may be an inconsistency between the words we use to describe safely, safety and our bodily feelings of safety. Stephen Porges. This is Exploring Polyvagal Theory, a dialogue to deepen our understanding of the nervous system and how we might make safety in everyday life accessible for all. I'm Lauren Hubelay. I'm a health educator and a gemotherapy expert. And I welcome back my co-host, Megan Limp. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks, Megan, for joining me again. Hi, Lauren. It's wonderful to be here with you all today. Thanks to everybody who's joining in to take this polyvagal and gemo exploration with us. It's always such a joy. And when we're talking about cues of safety, uh, I am so pleased to be joined again and feeling so comforted to be with my dear friend and colleague, Terry Brooks. Hi, Terry. Thanks for joining us again. Hello, Megan and Lauren. I'm so pleased to be back with both of you. It's been a while. It has been. Terry, just hearing your voice here just makes me smile. Well, I love to hear both of your voices. The only thing better would be if we were in person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, Terry, you know, Megan and I have been off exploring, as you can imagine that we would be, because... <laughs> That's mm -hmm. just what we do naturally. Of course, yes. And I've been keeping up with you. Very interested in what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, Terry, your life has taken some turns since we were gathered together last June. And I know that polyvagal theory and gemotherapy has um, been a great support to you. Do you want to share anything today? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, for the last two and a half years, I've been a caregiver, right. not just to one person, but to several family members. And previous to that, I was in a job situation that wasn't ideal. Let me just be very nice about it. Um, so there was a lot of trauma and drama coming into this. The last three years have been very difficult. And I'm sure you can hear it in my voice but at the same time, very beautiful. And I think that I can say that I relied very heavily on gemotherapy and a little bit of um, homeopathy and some herbal things as well. But gemotherapy really was the backbone of what I've been using to get myself through this very unusual and uh, emotional period. Yeah, yeah. Terry, thanks for showing up and being so vulnerable. And um, I don't want to, um, I, I want to go where you feel comfortable going with this today, but I know we've had lots of conversations in between. And um, first of all, we just really missed you. Yes, we did. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate Not that. It's not the same traveling here with just Megan. I mean, Megan, you're great, but. 
<laughs> Terry, you bring such a richness and your life experiences um, inform so much of our exploration. And so I thought we could dive into a little bit of that today. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go back to Stephen Porges's quote, because, um, I mean, this has been something Megan and I have been bouncing around, right, Megan, for, for uh, the last few episodes, really, is this idea of safety. And, you know, we're told we're safe. All the, you know, practicality of being safe might be there, but we don't feel safe sometimes and it could be with certain people it could be in certain incidences it could be in our own home and um this is really difficult because people love to tell us well you're okay <laughs> you should be okay is this anything you can identify with terry i actually have not had people telling me that but i tell myself that daily oh. you're okay you're all right, you can get through this, just buck up. Um, it's been very, I think the people around me have been very um, kind and generous with their, you know, you'll get through this. Um, nobody has ever expressed anything like, oh, stop it, you shouldn't be grieving, or there's been none of that, none of that at all. So I've had a lot of support from friends and from the general therapy. But I, there's somebody here, um, but I would have to say that I'm my, my biggest critic. And so I'll be the one that's saying, you're okay, you're okay. Yeah, you know, Terry, that, that is um, really something interesting. And, and it's certainly an aspect that we haven't discussed yet is uh, what we tell ourselves, right? And, and I know one of the biggest um, messages from Stephen Porges and from Deb Dana is that you're not broken. This is normal, what you're experiencing. It's, it's, it's absolutely natural and normal. And Megan, I know you have gone through some of your own um, experiences too. Is this something you found that you can be hard on yourself? Absolutely. And I think one of the big openings that has come for me through my study and exploration of polyvagal, in fact, I was listening to Deb Dana recently, and she was saying that once we start to explore polyvagal theory and understand that how our autonomic nervous system responds to cues of safety and danger within our body or between us and other people or even in the environment and in our community is precognitive. And once we really start to um, become aware of that, we reach a tipping point where we start to view life through this autonomic lens and this understanding. And it has created such an opening for me in hard times when my internal monologue is uh, going into critic mode and using words like should. Mm. Um, this has created some spaciousness for me to remember and almost as a, a, almost as a ventral vagal anchor to remember that 
um, the way that my nervous system responds to something is precognitive. It just is what it is. And, and grant myself um, just some space and have some compassion for myself to um, just be where my feet are in that moment. And um, I feel the doors opening to a shift in my autonomic state once I can get to acceptance of it. That's really silly. Whoops, sorry, Terry. Yeah. I like, I like that you included the word acceptance because that is exactly what you need to do to shift that self-talk to the point where, yes, this is normal. This is exactly what you should be going through. And furthermore, the fact that it is moving and it is changing is evidence that you are getting through it rather than just being stuck in that spot. Yeah, Deb Dana talks about um, how we don't need to be, once we understand polyvagal theory, we don't need to be at the mercy of our nervous system that we can befriend where we are in that moment and be an active participant. And I think that, um, you know, once we have that acceptance and instead of self-judgment, we look at where we are more with curiosity. Mm -hmm. And then I think that allows some, some shifting to happen and it leads into this conversation about tools and in this case, gemotherapy. You know, Terry, when I was thinking about your situation and, and um, one of the things that came up for me was in any family structure, if one person experiences a trauma, they would have some other family members to co-regulate. But when everyone experiences a loss, we can't, we don't have anyone to co-regulate. We're each looking to each other and our nervous systems are setting each other off rather than calming. Is that something? How did you experience that? I think that's in fact very true. Between uh, the loss of a family member and COVID and the beginning of school, my daughter is a teacher and my mm -hmm. grandson goes to school. Um, it's been well, the good part about it is that usually one of us is in a good place at each moment, but that also puts the pressure on that one person to be the rock for the others. And, and it shifts, it keeps shifting one or the other. So um, what we try to do is be there to support each other, but I'm not sure you could say that we are co-regulating always. Um, yeah. However, we all have pets, and the pets have been a great boon. The, um, they're there. They're always there. They don't judge. And, you know, whether it's a cat or a dog, we have that co-regulation in that regard. Yeah. Carrie, I know there's some other ways you co-regulate, because as I was checking in with you, I often would catch you out in your garden or with the trees. How is that for you? I spend a lot of time in the garden, um, mostly dawn to dusk <laughs> or, or later some days. And it's, it's where I'm most comfortable always. It's my happy place. And it doesn't matter if I am just laying in the grass, which I do sometimes just lay. The mosquitoes have been too bad lately, but just lay ground to the earth. Um, but more often, it's a physical labor outside that really helps me ground 
get back to regulation, um, get out of the mobilization, oftentimes even get out of the dorsal state uh, just by moving and doing something, just changing, changing up that frozen state to just simply get up, get the impetus to move a little bit. And it could be just, like you say, commuting with the trees, um, picking the high bush cranberries, digging the carrots, things like that are very good. Um, and then I have a, a strong background in music also. So if, I, if I'm up to it, I will get out my cello or I will sit at the piano and play and sing. Sometimes music is not my friend because it is very emotional. Mm. And that can bring me someplace. I don't want to say not where I want to go, but um, it, it will make me very much more emotional. But I think it's a necessary thing for me because it brings it up and out. Mm. It moves that energy. Mm. Yeah. Terry, that's so beautiful that you share that. I was um, hearing somebody talk a little bit about how sometimes when we feel connected, so we have some ventral vagal energy, there can be, even without a big situation happening, there can be some sadness that comes up because in that moment we feel safe enough to feel it. Yeah. And yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I feel like it just has to move. and. You know, coming from a position, I was an elementary phi ed teacher for 30 years. Um, it wasn't until the last 10 years that I really connected with emotion and motion. And that emotion has got to move. It needs motion to be, mm. I don't want to say expelled because it's not that, but to be integrated, perhaps is a better word. Yeah. Well, you know, that was one of the few first lessons I received from Cameron, actually, was that gentle motion can help you move your state. And if you begin to um, feel anxious and you feel the, the mobilization of your fight and flight response and looking to um, some gentle movement, singing also mm -hmm. does that and um, being in nature, yeah, all the things you've been doing, look at you. <laughs> I feel very fortunate that I, I have those passions before being in this situation. It's, it's kept me going. Yeah. Yeah. Terry, just so you know, I think, you know, I know that there have been, in addition to Lauren and I being um, fans of yours, I know that there are people that have listened to the podcast that are fans and have missed you. And I think in your absence, one of the things that I, when I think about our joinings and um, how we used to co-regulate maybe without knowing at that time what was going on, you know, you, it is your passion and the wealth of your knowledge and um, so many characteristics about you that you bring naturally to the table that allow um, you know, myself and so many others to co-regulate with you and you have brought so much um, joy to all of us, I think maybe without realizing it. So thank you. Well, that's, that's very special that it can be spread that way. I mean, think of it. 
Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Terry, you know, I was, I, I have to say, I feel super fortunate that um, I was able to keep in touch with you in all these weeks and, and really from the early days. And um, of course, I hope I was offering some support with some gymotherapy and some co-regulating. But uh, what I've been so astounded by is your resiliency. And that is um, a very important word for all of us. Um, that's really the goal, right? Is to be resilient. We're going to be heartbroken. We're going to have trauma in our life. We're going to um, deal with challenging situations that make us feel unsafe, but it's the resiliency, our ability to feel into it, respond appropriately and grow from it. And you've been such a beautiful model of that. You haven't been in my day to day life. <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful compliment. Um, I think some of the grief and the sadness is way easier for me to handle because it was a long process. It was a gradual decline. The thing that I find the most difficult to handle are all the things that come after that, including the finances, the legal things. In my place, it's the agricultural business, um, things that I wasn't fully engaged in before I was aware of, but I wasn't the person taking care of all that. And that is where I'm challenged for resiliency. Um, it's really easy to get kind of bogged down in it. If, you, if I have to talk to somebody on the phone in an office somewhere and deal with technology at the same time, that's when I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go down. That's, that's what's bothering the most. Yeah. But, but Terry, think about that. Someone, and you, but this is true for anyone, they experience this trauma and then they have to deal with things out of their comfort zone, right? Yeah. They're expected to have skills they never had before right. and um, carry out tasks that they have no experience in. That alone moves you into a place of not feeling safe. Very definitely, yes. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I don't think I've been remiss in helping with some of these things through the years, but definitely both our age and our circumstances have, have caused us to each have our own separate sphere of influence within our lives. And sometimes the twain never met and other times it did, but... Um, for example, I have land that's in um, agricultural reserve, a CRP program. I have absolutely no idea what this is about. And you get these little stimulus things by every time you go to the mail, you have another letter from this agency or somebody that wants you to do this or that, or, and you just think you have it taken care of. And then you get another one and it's something else. And it's oftentimes, and it could be a bank, it could be you know, any, anything. It's oftentimes that these large organizations have 
many subdivisions and different people are responding to whatever it is, whether it's um, changing your bank account or canceling a credit card or whatever it is, you get this input from so many different areas of one same company and then multiply that by you know, banks and legal institutions and so on and so forth. And it's just, you just, you wonder how the world runs actually after a while. It's like, how does nobody know what anyone else is doing within this one organization? So it's a bit of an overwhelm there. That's um, a constant little, uh, uh, little jab. And so Terry, when you have been experiencing overwhelm, what has your response been to that recently? Do you, does that make you want to sort of shut down and just sort of hide from it and not deal with it? Or do you go into productive mode and figuring it out mode? Or where have you been landing? Where I land usually is, um, usually it's figuring it out. And so keep a legal pad, um, one side, well, there's, there's many pages on this legal pad now, but normally I would, when I make a phone call, I write down who I called, what time, who I talked to, what the conversation was. That's a way of keeping me present in the situation, but also uh, just a record of what I have taken care of, what still needs to be done is on the next page. So most of the time it's deal with it um, because I know myself. And if I put it off, I will keep putting it off and I will keep putting it off. And then you always have that shadow thing hanging over you. You know, you should do it. You know, you should do it, do it, do it, do it, but you keep putting it off. So for me, it's much more productive to just deal with it, um, document it, and then many nights before I go to bed, I look and see what needs to be done tomorrow. Make a list, starting with the most important. But you know, there have been days when I have just taken time off and said, nope, I'm not. I've dealt with this six hours every day this week. I'm not doing it. I'm taking this time off for myself and go do something else that will bring some joy. You know, Megan, I'm glad you asked that question. I have so many questions flying around in my head and threads to connect, Terry. Um, but, you know, the, first of all, you know what comes to mind when you said that about the, the constant, you know, needling from different sources. It reminds me of, you all watched Deb Dana's video um, where she has the people play the parts of the autonomic nervous system. And, and listeners, if you haven't, do it. Um, it's, and, but everyone's playing a part of the, the nervous system and then there's the irritant, right? And the yeah. irritant keeps coming back. And Terry, I'm, I'm bringing this up because I would be really interested. You know, I certain at first the irritant the, the um, you know, vagal energy tries to deal with it in this connective way. And then when it doesn't go away, the fight or flight energy comes up. Can you speak to that at all in any of your experiences? <laughs> well, one simple little story. Um, I had a morning like that where just on and on and on. And, you know, I'm documenting everything. And... I'm looking back and I think I started doing this on July 3rd and now it's August 26th and this issue has not been resolved. 
and I get just irritated because just do your job is what I want to tell these people that I talked about. Like, just do your job. But I had had several incidents like that one day, and then I was trying to donate a car. So I had called the charity, and we were going through this whole thing. Well, we need this from you, and we need that from you, and we need this paperwork, and so on. And they get to the, about the fourth piece of paperwork that they need, and I said, what is that, and where do I get that? And the person on the line said, I don't know what it is, and I don't know where you get it. And <laughs> If they had been in the room with me, I threw my hands up in the air. I said, forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it. I'm trying to give you something. I'm not going to go find a lawyer. I'm not going to go search out this piece of paper. Just forget it. So that was a, yeah, that was down. I'm going down here, but it was, right? That was it. Yeah. How did you come out of that fight response? Oh, gosh, I probably went and made myself something to drink, <laughs> made a cup of herbal tea and uh, yeah. had a piece of fruit and just refocus, just refocus. I mean, that was that was one of that was toward the end of the morning's work, let's say. And so it was definitely time to stop what I was doing and find a different path to take and just call it quits on that for for now. It will wait. I mean, friends have said, you know, this is the first list of things to do. This is the second. This is the third. The rest of this doesn't matter if it ever gets done. So looking at that that way, this was not one of the most important things. I can just let that go. And that car can sit there until another opportunity presents itself. Yeah. So there was something else that came up and Megan, I think maybe you were kind of leading Terry into this direction with the conversation is, you know, you asked about the overwhelm. So you get these things in the mail, there's this overwhelm that happened. And um, the way you address it is actually regulating you in some ways, do you realize that? Because you're going to a skill set you know really well and you feel safe in. Oh, I'll sit down, I'll write it out. Here are the steps, this is what I need to do. This is what teachers do all the time, right? And, and can you imagine that? That So you get something that kind of, oh, you know, maybe feels a little unsafe and you went to a skill set you know well of organizing and taking action. Sure. Well, uh, I, w I felt my brain was so unfocused and, and so un, um, unable to remember the next day what I had done the day before because there were so many, so many agencies involved and, and surprises that came up. Um, so it was only through just knowing that if I wrote it down it was there. It was evidence. I did that. I could go back and look at it and say, oh, yes, I already took care of that. Or in some cases, some of these agencies have two or three names or they're outsourced, let's say. So if I see an insurance policy that says this and I call them and I take care of it, I see another name for an insurance policy. I don't know who it is. I try to look it up. I finally call somebody that might know and they say, oh, yeah, well, it's it's and, it, and it's a different name entirely. Sure. Um, and then when you contact them, then they say, well, 
we will be contacting you next through New York Life <laughs> Insurance. And that's the third name for this one policy. So I knew full well that if I didn't keep a record, I would, you know, with the brain fog and just overwhelmed from so many things, I, I wouldn't have made it through all that paperwork. You're right. It was a skill set. Just write it down. You can always check back. You can make a little check mark. You can cross it off. You can circle it. You can highlight it. <laughs> Whatever it takes to, to bring your attention to that. This one isn't finished. This one is. You know, Terry, I think as a teacher, that skill set that Lauren was just referring to comes into play. But also talk about co-regulating. As a teacher, there are so many folks who are um, co-regulating with you. And I noticed that in formal education, we have these sort of breaks built in where we are looking for productivity for a while and then we build in these breaks. And you know, ideally, probably those breaks are to bring in some ventral vagal energy and get ourselves re-stabilized before we move on. And I feel like you highlighted that naturally so beautifully talking about, you know, knowing that your morning work needed to come to an end and making yourself a cup of tea. And um, Deb Dana talks about when we're looking at our ventral vagal anchors, it's the, you know, who do we feel safe with and when do we feel safe and where do we feel safe and what activities. And, and naturally, Terry, I think your resilience shines because you're so in touch with this about yourself and doing some of these, these anchors naturally. I think years ago, I, when I changed my job situation, I sat down and just made myself a list of what I needed to feel whole. Mm -hmm. And anything involving nature, anything involving reading, and anything involving music were always on that list. But there was then also some form of movement or exercise was also on that list. And there were certain parts of my life where one or more of those were not being fulfilled. I really notice it. So that has, that has kept me in good stead. Terry, thank you. I think we need to talk a little bit about Jim Oaks for a minute. Because I think you had some favorites that um, really had all-star roles for you these last um, weeks. If you had to just have one of those, what do you think um, you would say? I would put Fig at the top of my list. Not just for the fact that it helps digestion physically, but more even for the fact that uh, it allowed me to process what was going on, um, doctor's appointments, um, and then we had COVID on top of it. And I live in Minnesota. So when the George Floyd murder took place, that was yet another injury added on top of things. I think without Fig, I would not have managed as well. You know, Terry, what comes to mind is hearing you say that, and I'm so glad you had that as a resource. I'm taken back to our demo memo on Fig and some of the things you shared about the fig tree. And one of those is that it will grow anywhere, right? It, it has that ability to thrive anywhere, am I right? Isn't that, 
as best I recall, Lauren. And it would even come back from fires. And I mean, that's resiliency, right? Right there in the tree. Right. I, I think most anybody could use fig at this point in our society. No kidding. You know, in Asian medicine, we talk about, you know, fig acts on um, the digestion is one of the things that it does. It does lots of things, but um, it acts on our ability to embody ourselves and digest. And in Asian medicine, we talk about digest with a capital D, which means that we're digesting the food and fluid that we put into our system. But we're also digesting all of our experiences and the stimuli and what we're going through personally and collectively. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that your use of fig illustrates that beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm also thinking about um, this axis that fig acts along on the central nervous system. Um, improving the information that the brain sends. And, you know, when we're in overwhelm, when we're in moving, cycling between shutdown and um, fight or flight, which Megan, that's something we both have talked about that, that cycle a lot. And I'm sure Terry, that, that was true for you, right? And, and still is what we are, we need is good information and we need that, those neurotransmitters effectively communicating with our organs and our body. So in times of stress that um, the, the organs don't go into stress mode too, right? Well, fig, that's beautiful. It also speaks well to the overwhelm I know there's another one that um, I think it's also a favorite of Megan and mine uh, that comes to mind. What would that be? You're talking about Hawthorne? Yeah. <laughs> Hawthorne, I have used both as a microdose and as a full dose. Um, microdosing for just the emotional um, fullness of the situation I've been in. And as an herbalist, I also have used Hawthorne for many years as a tincture. I do have um, a heart condition that was discovered by accident. And while some thought I should have had a valve replaced 12 years ago, it is just still doing fine. And I'm counting on Hawthorne to continue to take care of that issue. But it also, like I said, it has helped a lot as a microdose. I can't do them both at the same time, so I have to sort of pick and choose what I want to treat. And right now I'm using it in a full dose to treat, just to support the heart condition um, when there's so many other things going on in my life. So as a result, I'm just using other nervous system gemmos as microdoses rather than, rather than the Hawthorne. I think I maybe misspoke Hawthorne is what I'm speaking about. Um, I've also, Notice that I have a t I've always had a tendency to not want to go to bed. Um, mainly, I think because I take care of so many people all day long, that that is my time when everybody else is in bed. And it can get really late. Sometimes it's one o'clock, two o'clock before I go to bed. And thanks to Lauren, <laughs> she's urging me to get more sleep all the time and 
And I would forget, I, I was going to add, I was going to add Lithy and Hazel to my evening routine and I would forget. And then I'd stay up all night, you know, I'd stay up and stay up and stay up. And the nights that I remembered to take it shortly after dinner, I'd be sitting with my nose in a book or at the computer or something and just wondering why I'm feeling so tired all of a sudden. And I have to be honest, it took me several nights of that before I realized, oh, that's your cue. You are supposed to go to bed now. Your body feels like it should go to bed. Start listening. So yeah, those have been really, really helpful also when I don't try to override them. You know, when we're, we're dealing with, with grief, fig is marvelous because it helps us digest some of the things we're experiencing. And Hawthorne is um, helpful for us to remain open-hearted as we move through grief because um, it, grief feels unsafe and, and we don't want to be there and we want to close up and bring that reptilian self out. And Hawthorne really allows us to be feel safe in that. And then Lithy also. Um, um, Lydia allows us to vocalize our grief, and I don't know if that's something that you have noticed at all, Terry, but it certainly helps put words to what we might be feeling. You know, it's interesting you say that now because um, just looking back over the past couple months, I've been pretty amazed at how I have been able to share this information. Um, sometimes it gets overly emotional, but so many times I've said to, either to myself or to a close friend, I can't believe that I've gotten through this as well as I have, or had I thought about this before, I would have never imagined that things have gone as well as they have. So there's been that, I want to call it growth. It's, it's growth through the use of these gemmos that have supported all these areas of, of cellular wellness, um, body systems. And it's subtle, but so potent that looking back, I'm going, I never could have imagined that I got through this where I am now. Terry, thank you for sharing that. Megan, some thoughts from you? Yeah, I think that use of Liffy and you know, getting that inner communication, it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier about bringing a little bit of ventral into mm. that situation of grief by feeling safe enough to communicate internally with ourselves about it and sometimes externally with others about it. Um, getting more in touch with our own feelings. And um, it's a beautiful connection with Lithi and from an Asian medical um, lens, we talk about it being associated with the, the lung energy, which is our most exterior of our yin energy. So offers a layer of protection for us. And um, I think if we look at the protection and the inner communication and the safety together, uh, 
it seems like it would be a very comforting extract. You know, there have been times that I've also used dog rose, which I felt had a great effect as well on the days where that felt just so fragile. Mm -hmm. where, um, I just felt it, it gave quite a lot of benefit. You know, thanks for bringing that up, Terry. And because not all days are alike when we're processing um, the loss of someone. And, and one day can be flavored this way and another one that. And that, that's um, the beauty of having these tools and understanding them as you do. And as we're trying to share with our listeners is uh, you can, you can work with this one on this day and this one another day and adapt them to what your needs are. Right. Yeah. So ladies, I, I think we probably start to bring this to a close. I, I want to tie us in just briefly to the conversation I had with Cameron last week. And although I wasn't fortunate to have the two of you along on that, um, Cameron and I started talking about um, building protocols for these chronic situations. And, and so when we um, have a loss, at first it's acute and we need something for those first few days. And, um, but then we have life goes on and we progress through these stages. It's really a chronic situation. It, it's not, it, and there is no clock that's ticking to say, okay, this should be done by now. And um, so I know I just want to reiterate the extracts that we're talking about here because they might be useful for someone listening um, who's had um, a loss in their life and um, or you may find that you have some very different experiences, but fig, um, fig in the morning, it's working with the central nervous system and having a one, just one drop of this. Then we talked about Hawthorne, Hawthorne mid, midday, working with the autonomic nervous system and the central nervous system. Just again, one drop. And then in the evening, either hazy, hazel or lithy or both as Terry's doing to help with the lung, lungs, to help get you to bed and do sleep. Both of those working with the autonomic nervous system. And so um, we'll be talking more as in future weeks about um, how to manage um, protocols on a, a chronic level um, through the polyvagal lens, which um, has been such a gift. And I want to thank you, Terry. You have been amazing. And I know there are people listening that your words are exactly what they needed to hear today. I surely hope so. I hope it can help even one person. Yeah, beautiful. And Megan, thank you so much for bringing all your um, poetic musings um, to this um, recording. Lauren and Terry, it is um, just so lovely and warm and wonderful to um, be joining with both of you again. Yeah, nice to be back together. Thank you. Thank you.